Hey everyone, you're listening to Can You Hear Us Now? Inclusivity in the Media, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of those in marginalized communities who are frequently overlooked in the mainstream media. Each week we discuss new topics in order to promote representation of those who are recurrently silenced or ignored. Our program aims to bring awareness to these issues in order to stimulate inclusivity in the media. Let's get into it. For this episode of Can You Hear Us Now, Maddie Kirkman, Kennedy Rushing, and I are going to talk about covert sexism and the ways in which it affects both men and women, personally, academically, and professionally. We also interrogate where these messages come from and ways to combat the patriarchal system. This episode features two guests, starting with Dr. Elsie Quest, who is a UNC Women and Gender Studies professor. She gave us incredible insight on her research on this topic. We then talked to Zach Turnage, who is a student at UNC, to discuss what it's like to be a man on a daily basis. You really hope you enjoy it. We're going to be starting off with a conversation with Dr. Elsie Quest. So my name is Nicole Elsie Quest. Um, I am an associate professor in women's and gender studies. My research is largely focused on um, broadening participation in STEM. So that means um, how do we, well, first, what explains why um, we don't have a lot of women, uh, people of color, or uh, first-gen college students in science? Then how do we change that? So how do you think that everyday people rather than you know an institution can, can combat what you're talking about, having more women in STEM, more diverse mm. um, people in STEM? How do you think an everyday person can help with that? Oh, well, there are lots of things. I mean, I often think about it from the perspective of um, parenting because as I said, mm. I'm a developmental psychologist. So a lot of what I'm interested in is how do those differences develop and how do we change that developmental process? I had this one uh, exchange I often share with folks in my classes. Um, my daughter was three and we had we were living in Philly and we had gone to the Air and Space Museum in DC for a mm-hmm. weekend and she had a little model of a space shuttle and she was playing with it in the pediatrician's office. And she, this is my spaceship. And, and you know, she was doing what three-year-olds do and, and the nurse looked at her um, and said to her, or said to me, she's like, wow, I've never seen a girl play with a spaceship before. Mm. And and she thought that that was really remarkable. And I think of like little exchanges that we have like that, they seem really subtle. They don't seem like a big deal, right? Much like we think of microaggressions as like not being a big deal. No, not on a one-off. Right. It's that those sorts of small, subtle exchanges happen routinely. And regularly and they plant seeds right yeah. they plant seeds that tell little girls like okay maybe not astrophysics but then you know fast forward a few years and you're in school and you see okay well girls do better than boys do in all subjects from kindergarten through college graduation and yet we hear that girls aren't good enough by first grade girls think they are not as good as boys in math hmm even though they're doing better. And it's ridiculous. because Where does that come from? That's a really great question. Who gives that message to kids? Yeah. Right? Um, it, it's subtle. It comes from parents. It comes from teachers. It comes from, oh gosh, in the 90s, there was a Barbie doll that talked and you would push 
about an honor and she would say different things. And one of the things she said is math is hard in terms of, you know, like what can people do? Mm-hmm. I think anybody who's involved along that, those paths has a, a role to play. It's just really subtle stuff that we can all play a role in. Because the crazy thing is there's no evidence that just thinking about gender that, that girls can't do STEM. Like I said before, their grades are always better. Yeah. It's not that they can't do it. It's that they maybe don't want to, they don't feel welcome, they think I'm not going to be successful. In some cases, they're actively pushed out. There's actual discrimination happening, but um, it's it's a lot of little things. You touched on how like sexism manifests itself differently in terms of like communities of color and first-gen students. Mm-hmm. Could you speak a little more on that, especially in terms of like STEM achievement? Yeah. We don't have, you know, a ton of research that like, compares women of different racial or ethnic groups in those spaces where, you know, it's something that my lab is doing, but um, a lot of what's been done has been very um, sort of qualitative in terms of doing like, interviews and focus groups with, say, um, Latinas who are STEM majors. Like, what's, what are their experiences? And they'll talk about things like feeling like they don't really belong and have to be really into their field to kind of stick it out. And they have to be really talented to kind of tune out the messages, the subtle sexism that they get from their classmates or from their instructors, um, but also the racism that they encounter. There's a lot of research on how sexism looks different for women of different racial or ethnic groups and also if you layer in class and also sexuality, maybe disability, we see how complex it gets. Mm -hmm. But there are also common threads. We have seen some changes. We know that we shouldn't celebrate men who don't um, express their emotions or who treat women like objects. Like we get that and we see more and more sort of at least superficial attention paid to that in the big, like, box office movies mm-hmm. not consistently but like there's certainly a trend and, and it, you notice it when you watch older movies movies and tv often giving us models role models and those are really powerful especially like when we celebrate those characters or those films you know they they take on so much cultural significance and we have to still critically evaluate them and, and ask like is that really who I want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, is that like, should we really put that guy on a pedestal? To see movies about women today um, that don't actually revolve around men or their relationships with men mm-hmm. is still a rarity. So, I mean, there, there's that, the importance of representation and just like seeing a diversity of people and diversity beyond gender and race. But like, we should all be able to watch any kind of film and imagine ourselves as the main character. We shouldn't only see one kind of person in those roles and think like those are the only people who get to have starring roles on a like employment level, that's an issue, but also in a like, can I imagine myself as the protagonist of a story? This was always a challenge for my for me with my daughter. She was three and she went through the princess phase that like all kids go through. And I remember really pushing back against it. Um, and it was impossible because it was everywhere. Even if I said, no, you can't be um, a Disney princess for Halloween, whatever it was, it didn't matter. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's in the water. 
There's no escaping it. Um, the media has just become so um, omnipresent that, and I guess that's part of the reason that like messages of sexism in the media are so important to address because it's inescapable. In what ways do you think like sexism against women negatively affects men as well? Mm. Mm. It's harmful in so many ways. Like there are, I think, the obvious ways of like it's hurting the women that they love mm. and that that they care about and that they interact with. We know that men have greater difficulty than women do with identifying their own emotions and being able to express them. Mm. And that this is psychologically maladaptive. Like we can think of all the ways that that's a problem in our relationships and how hard that will make life for them if say they experience depression and not knowing how to talk about it. We have to teach boys to be able to do that from a very early age and we can. And it turns out, you know, we can teach men to do that too, but um, but they face backlash for doing that, right? Like men, men get criticized for expressing their emotions, for being open and vulnerable. They lose their man card. Do you think that's mostly among men or do you think women contribute to that too? Oh, yeah. yeah, everybody contributes to it. Like, mm. It's subtle, you know, and sometimes not subtle at all. But mm -hmm. um, I think there are lots of ways that while ultimately sexism benefits men, I think on an individual level, it comes with a cost. After that very insightful conversation with Dr. Elsie Quest, we talked to Zach Turnage. Uh, I'm Zach Turnage. Uh, I'm a junior computer science major. Um, I'm graduating this next um, spring as well, so I'm graduating a year early. Um, so I'm kind of just trying to get my life together before then. Uh, I guess just getting right into it. So when was the last time you cried and why? <laughs> um, so the last time I cried was probably around two years ago, I think. And it was when my cat died at the time. It was my cat, um, Glory was her name. That always gets to me because it's like I don't really... Like, I just have to watch the animal, like, fade out. It's horrible. So that's what got to me last time. Um, but since then, I haven't really cried, like, at all that I can think of. Um, I've maybe gotten, like, sad, of course, but not, like... Did you... Know, you after that, did you, like, face any judgment from, like, your family or anyone around you from crying about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> not about that, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've faced judgment before in my life for, like, crying at things, like, when I was way younger. Mm -hmm. But um, not, you know, in that certain case. Was that from like a male figure in your life or who who was telling you not to cry uh yeah it was my uh uncle i, I have two mm -hmm. uncles that um kind of were my father figures growing up my, my father died when i was like four years old so wow. um but my uh uncles were kind of my father figures growing up and they always like pressured me to be kind of like more a man stuff like that so they yeah they've told me like don't cry before and stuff like that when i was like younger like seven eight you know that kind of thing mm. have you faced any pressure from like peers or anyone your age Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a very common thing in college. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm sure that girls get it too because it's just peer pressure throughout college constantly, anyways. But um, for guys, you know, you're always like trying to act like your friends and your guy friends, and you kind of want to blend into the male body because mm -hmm. you don't want to be seen as like some out person. You need to like kind of blend in with the crowd so people invite you to stuff as a guy because mm -hmm. you can't just get like into any party or anything like that. You can't hang mm -hmm. out with just anybody you want. I've, I've had friends before. Um, like pressure me to you know like be more aggressive towards girls and stuff like that wow. or like be like more of a man and like uh, generally have like more male attributes and stuff like that i always have guys uh, tell me to cut my hair and stuff like that because mm -hmm. yeah, i have long hair and 
they see that as obviously feminine. So, so what's your response when when something like um, that happens? Well, I always, I mean, it depends on the case scenario, really. I mean, if I might try to be more of like a guy or something like that to blend in, because it's not always like it's a horrible thing. I mean, you. I, I am when I'm told to be aggressive towards a girl, it's like that sounds really bad, and it is like bad to like oh you go up to a girl and just like try grab her or something like that. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like okay, you need to be more confident towards a girl, that's like more of a positive connotation, you know. Do you think that being okay with talking about your emotions and crying and all that actually makes you more of a man because you're not afraid to be vulnerable, you're not afraid to do whatever you want and not care what anyone else thinks? Yeah, I actually do agree with that. When it comes to like showing your emotions and stuff like that and being able to express yourself, it might seem like more feminine at first if you're like just doing it for the first time. But just being a general, more emotional person will make you a lot more receptive to other people. It doesn't really matter in that case about being masculine, it's just... Just being human. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you mean by male attributes or being a man? What does that mean to you? Um, To me, being a man is like falling into the very generic stereotype of like testosterone, you know, big guy who's, uh, you know, is confident talking to people, uh, is like the guy who brings in all the money for the family, is like um, the person who makes decisions, is always like concise with what they're about to do, you know, just like takes control of the situation, like very like dominating attributes that like are meant to be like, like you're like the head of the crowd is kind of what a male attribute comes across as to me. And how does it make you feel to like have to, is there pressure to act that way? Yeah, carry yeah. all those out there's there's like constant pressure from all around me to try and do that especially when i'm in a social setting with other guys that are like that um mm-hmm. i think that a lot of guys kind of push that onto other guys because it kind of like makes them feel more manly mm-hmm. a lot of the times um you know i i get that kind of pressure all the time when i'm hanging out with friends around places even if it's just like in a small social gathering i, I know one of my friends is always made fun of um because he can never make a decision about anything and it's seen as like mm-hmm. feminine because he can't because he's like so we'll like pressure him. we'll be like you have to make a decision about this like this is like you have to do something like you're not being like manly or anything like that so, so you partake in it too to yeah, blend in exactly it's part yeah. of it it's it's it, huh. it becomes like become part of the, the the pack it just depends on who you're targeting everybody gets targeted i think at some point so it's hard to say it's like if you want to give like a say like oh you know men just generally do this that's fair yeah but also all men are also probably persecuted by it in some sense which is why they push it on to other people do you think if it's like you individually talking to this friend that you would do that or is it more like when all the dudes are together like this is just what we do we're just gonna like make fun of yeah them. no it's definitely the the latter where it's going to be yeah. um you know it's kind of like a pack mentality if i'm yeah. just one-on-one of a friend it's like like i've i've had this seen it in some of my friends before we're all together there'll be like one guy that's just making fun of another guy the entire time and then when mm. they're in private together i've told that the other guy's like oh no he's a great guy you know he always tells how much he loves me and how much mm. of a good friend i am for him and like how he's glad to have me around and stuff like that you know it, it really just differs based on the social setting if just one guy is is not being all emotional and stuff like that then it's just going to push everybody else to not be what about like the female figures in your life do you feel like what have they taught you about masculinity or what it's like to be a man well i think the reason that i'm so receptive to feminine nature or some sort of like emotional connection Mm -hmm. is because uh my dad died at a young age like i said before and i was raised by my mother uh, by herself like throughout my entire childhood basically and because of that I think that she like taught me a lot of like feminine values and stuff like that so I was able to 
better be receptive to women that were in my life. Mm -hmm. So I tried to not have the, those attributes that she would tell me, like that she didn't like in the men that she was around. You know what I mean? There's not like a major conflict that's going on most of the time between guys when it comes to being emotional or non-emotional. But I think that as human beings, we would connect a lot better if we were all just able to be more emotional towards each other and like mm -hmm. more open. So I think that if we want to like improve as a society, then it would be helpful. Um, how to go about doing such a thing, uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, I have personally, when I'm around guys, and like I said before, they're like going too far with making fun of somebody or if like, like, you know, if they're being too aggressive towards girls. I've told some of my like, not close guy friends, but just guys I'm hanging around to like stop mm -hmm. or something like that. I think you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what ways do you think the patriarchy hurts everyone, not just uh, women? I think the patriarchy hurts everyone because it kind of like ends up dividing like the human race in a way because you don't really have anywhere you can be accepted in society if you're being pushed around constantly by these ideals that the patriarchy is set. So kind of going back to how you were talking about like being emotional and stuff, who do you go to then when you're going through a rough time, if you go to anyone at all, or do you just keep it to yourself? It really depends on what it is. A lot of the times I do just keep it to myself because mm. I... Uh, personally, from my perspective, it doesn't help me to like relay my emotional trauma on somebody else or stress because a lot of the times they might end up getting like emotionally distressed and like worrying about me. But if I was going to go to anybody, I would go to my mom and I usually go to her mm. about emotional stuff like when it involves relationships or any sort of like ideas that I have about my identity is going to be to my mother because she knows me very well. So. So would you say you mostly go to women for that? Yes. Mm. Uh, in fact, I always have found myself throughout my life having some sort of like female companion, even if it's not somebody mm. I am dating, to like be able to at least like trade like trauma with almost. So there is like a complete lack of that with guys. Like there's no. Yeah, I would definitely say there's a, a lack of that with guys. Um, a lot of the times when you try to talk to some about something emotional to men, they kind of just will ignore you or like shove it off. You'll just yeah. try to say something to them and they'll just like completely ignore it or they'll just like move on. Like, did you even hear me? Like, yeah. And then sometimes you get like an actual human connection and it's like you get like you have to get down to like a base value of like human connection being like, okay, look, I am literally just a guy. So like where does that come from? Where is this idea that men cannot be human come from? I, I think that it comes like mainly from like patriarchal ideas of like power. It's like, I don't have time for emotions, okay? I need oh, to work, yeah. I need to make money. I don't have time uh -huh. to try and fix this relationship. So it's kind of like you turn, men turn themselves into like robotic machines a lot mm. of the times because they just want to be, they don't want to show any sort of weakness because it seems like a detriment to their success in their own head. This episode of the Can You Hear Us Now podcast was produced as part of the class project for Mijo 441, Diversity and Communication at the Hussman School of Journalism and Media at UNC Chapel Hill. This episode was produced by Maddie Kirkman, Kennedy Rushing, and Patricia Benitez and recorded on November 7th, 2022. Thanks for listening to the Can You Hear Us Now podcast. We hope we were able to expand your mind and shed some light on this week's topic regarding covert sexism. As always, we encourage you to take a closer look at the media you consume and don't be afraid to advocate for those who might not have a voice. Make sure to tune in next time when we discuss how changes in Texas abortion laws affect a young woman professional working in Austin.
You can also head over to our website, canyouhearusnowpodcast.com, to check out more information and resources relating to our episodes. Be sure to leave a like on this episode and subscribe to our program on platforms including Simplecast, Spotify, Audible, and iHeartRadio. See you next time. Thank you.